Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops for a video drop. Share this out as well. Uh, another episode going to be in two parts. Uh, of course, me and Donald here are going to recap the Bengals game, talk a little bit about Giants news, then I'll have my brother in the second half talking about the Jets joint practice and previewing the actual upcoming game this weekend, which I will be attending. Uh, Donald, first thoughts, another giant victory, but positives and negatives are always there. Well, I'm, I'm mostly concerned about the injuries because it's it's showing up our lack of depth in some key areas, such as the secondary and O-line. Uh, and now that we've got some problems with receiver uh, with Colin Johnson going down. Um, and then, of course, you know, we've got guys working themselves back, like Kadarius Tony, although he looked better. Uh, this week, but he, you know, he's still working himself back. So, you know, I, I would say the injuries are my biggest cause for concern. But you know, if you want a positive, just look at the score. Another dub. And I know it's only a, I know it's only preseason, but you know, I, I, I preach the idea that winning, um, you know, provides good habits. And I think this is what you're seeing here. I think we're 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 finding ways to win, and. Uh, and that's always good. I just think that it adds a positive momentum in the locker room and things like that. So although I know it necessarily doesn't matter. So even if we lost, it would, you know, it's not a big deal, but you know, the fact that we won, you know, we take that as a positive, you know, there's some good habits that we're picking up by just finding ways to win games. And uh, yeah, my, my biggest concern is the injuries because there's a lot, there's a lot of good things to be happy about. Um, I would say my positive would be Daniel Jones, uh, he probably had his best week. Um, so it started with the game, and then even this this the, the joint practice against the Jets, he looked really good. So uh, I think those are some positives too. Definitely agree there. And we're going to jump into offensive takeaways, defensive takeaways, talk about causes for optimism, reasons for concern, and then maybe just some Giants news to splash on top of that. Uh, offensive takeaways. I'm just going to go right into the quarterback room. Daniel Jones looks solid. Davis Webb looks solid. Tyron Taylor, not so good. Um, he was just a little off, almost two or three interceptions. Just wasn't a great night for Taylor. Uh, it was kind of a reverse last week. Well, I don't know if you could even say last week, but in the Patriots game, it's not that Daniel Jones was just off, but Tyron Taylor looked a little bit more comfortable. And uh, the offense produced with him where Daniel Jones on the second or third drive it was, they ran it in for a uh, touchdown. So your thoughts on the quarterback room, Davis Webb's improvement. I mean, in my opinion, and I said this before in my 53-man predictions, I think Davis Webb's a practice squad guy. He's going to be the coach and replacement QB, kind of like a Josh McCown for this team. Guy knows the offense. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on the QB room? How do you, you know, look at it right now after this game? Um, I certainly look at it more positively than I did. Um, Davis Webb, I remember, remember I texted you, it was like, trust in Webb, because that dude was balling out. And because uh, we were down and then he we had the one, one last drive and he nailed it 100% on the most perfect drive. Just every pass was pinpoint right down the field. Um, as I say, I, I know it doesn't doesn't really matter, but hey, it's it's good. It's it's just it's uh, it's a positive sign. It, it 
he puts a smile on giant fans face that's good and uh and and Webb found some some key guys like Bachman who who we might be needing now with uh with the injury to Colin Johnson Bachman now has a has a shot at uh, making the roster and probably will make it now in, in my opinion so uh after, especially after that outing so um I feel good about Davis Webb as our as our third quarterback I would I would keep him on the roster for sure. Um, I think that just have that extra um, coach, if you will, um, because I believe he actually wants to be a coach uh, from what I read. So um, the fact he can still th- throw the ball about and, uh, and lead an offense is actually pretty good. Uh, Tyron Taylor, I'm not concerned about. It wasn't a, it wasn't a great day, but he, I, I think he looked really good and we won. Not so good week two. Um, and then, as you say, the reverse. Daniel Jones, I feel um, a lot better about what I saw from Daniel Jones. Now, I, I want to preface that by saying a lot of it was checkdowns. There was a lot of checkdowns. However, well, it's not a bad thing because he was at least going through his progressions. And uh, and he was, he was more often than not choosing the best option. And just moving the moving those chains, and and that's I mean remember this is he's still working out the offense. He's is you know he he's, it's going to take time, but uh, he looked more comfortable week two than he certainly did week one, and uh, and it's led to a positive practice as well. Uh, so I, I feel pretty good about that, um, and obviously I think we'll go into depth about um, certain throws and things that that I was impressed with. But just to sum it up. Um, feel a little better about about our quarterback situation. I'm not worried about Taylor, and I feel a little bit more confident that Daniel Jones might be ready by uh, week one. So if anyone's referring to the weird face I made when Donald was talking, yeah. lightning oh. just struck near here. Oh! So that's always fun. That's always fun. Um, but anyway, statistically, Davis Webb, 22 for 27, 204 yards, two touchdowns. Daniel Jones, 14 for 16, 116 yards and mm-hmm. one interception. And then Tyrod Taylor, 7 for 11, 37 yards and no touchdowns, no interceptions. And the Giants leaned a little bit less on the running game and it kind of worked because other than maybe a little bit of Antonio Williams and Deshaun Corbin on that touchdown, not much of it was going. Where in the first game, you felt a little more confident about the running game now you know obviously they faced a different front they had a different game plan and it worked and i know obviously it's just the preseason but i like the way things worked out this game in terms of the offense and while bachman and david sills are the main guys that we're going to talk about in terms of receptions and stuff i think you brought up a good point antonio williams a lot of checkdowns and could that possibly be that Saquon gets a lot of passing attention? I think Could he that will. possibly be, you know, that they put the check down right in front of Daniel Jones where he doesn't have to look for it and, and scramble for it. Um, so Antonio Williams has really impressed me where I, we only saw a glimpse of him a few years ago against the dolphins when he was with the bills and he's a good bruiser running back pushes right through the hole. And then he can also be a check down guy. So I'm very happy with the development there. Uh, I think Deshaun Corbin, in my opinion, could make the practice squad 
as a running back and also as a kick returner because the Giants are in purgatory in terms of kick returning. They really haven't used Richard James there, and C.J. Board even fumbled. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, your thoughts So do you think he makes the final 53? Corbin or Board? Uh, Corbin. No. I think Really? So you think they go with Brightwell? I think they do because, in my opinion, even I would go with Brightwell to be fair because he's shown a little bit more burst. Now, Corbin obviously has had a little bit more of a sample size because Brightwell was hurt uh, this past week. But Brightwell, in my opinion, he's got the special teams um, versatility, and also he's got burst as a running back. And I'm not saying Corbin doesn't have that, but the Giants have Richie James. The Giants have a couple other players they're going to keep because of special teams. They don't need to keep one extra. Um, And Deshaun Corbin has a lot to grow on. Um, but what are your thoughts overall in terms of the running game, the checkdowns, and then the way this offense just looked overall in terms of, you know, who's catching passes like Alex Bachman, David Sills? Your thoughts? Well, I was excited about Bachman. Uh, I, I thought he, uh, I thought he looked tremendous, and it looks like uh, there's a good chemistry between Sills and Daniel Jones. That was something again that we, we, me, and, me and you discussed during the game. I like the chemistry between them. They, they seem to have uh, – they, they just seem to be in, in tune with each other. Uh, so, again, when whenever there's someone that has good chemistry with Daniel Jones, you, you, you go all over it. You jump all over it. And I think he needs to make the roster because, uh, you know, as I've mentioned before, he doesn't – he's struggled with Galladay. I mean, I can't necessarily blame him because Galladay is not – really shown up since signing for the Giants. So uh, Slayton, we don't know if, if he's going to be traded or not. Um, there's there's a little bit of question in the in the wide receiver room. Um, and uh, with Colin Johnson, very unfortunately tearing his Achilles, who I was very impressed with with Camp, very impressed with in preseason, very upsetting uh, for him, and, and certainly not, not good news for us. So um, now that you look at it, there's 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 room for both now. I didn't think there was room for both before. I think there's I think there's an argument to be made that there's room for both. Um, how do you think? How many do you think they'll carry? Five, six? I want to say six or seven. And with CJ that, Board being one of them, do you think? Or? No, he cannot make the roster. No, in my he's terrible. I will say this: a lot of people get mixed up with these things, and that's why a lot of people make like myself, they make predictions for the initial 53 because waiver wire is still yet to happen after the That's initial true. 53 and the trades. Like for some people, they'll put Darius Slayton on or CJ board and they may get traded or cut after the waiver wire and all that stuff, because you need corresponding moves to come after that. Overall mm-hmm. though, I don't think Alex Bachman's going to make the roster. I think he had an impressive game. There's nothing to take, you know, nothing to take away from him. Um, You know, two nice touchdowns. I think he had, Let's see, 122 yards and 11 receptions. You great. You can't deny the chemistry. You Why not? Deny the ability. But I just don't think he's going to make the roster. He could be a gunner on special teams. And uh, David Sills, I think, will make the roster because of his chemistry with Daniel Jones. I think, I think David so, too. Will try yeah. to favor that a little bit. And even going back to a guy like Bachman or maybe even just Sean Corbin, they implemented a rule in the COVID year, 2020, where you could get a 16-man practice squad and protect four players and activate two of them 
to the active roster for game day. Mm. So that could be Alex Bachman for special teams purposes. I don't think he'll do that. But let's just say Wandale Robinson is out or Kadarius Tony is out. They right. don't want to put IR on IR. They're going to go ahead and take Alex Bachman, take him off the practice squad without actually making him assigned to the active roster. They'll revert him to the practice squad after the game. So there's a lot of things that could happen. Um, okay, so we're playing fantasy GM. So we've got obviously Galladay, KT, Shep, Wandale. Uh, that's four. Then there's Sills. That's five. Now then leave Slayton and Buckman and Borg. But I don't, I don't think Borg can make it. He should have been our special teams guy, but he's just been a total disaster there. So I can't imagine Borg. So let's cross him out. So if you want to carry, if you want to carry six, then it's between Slayton and Buckman, right? I would say so, and here's the thing that also plays into that as well. David Sills does not really have a lot of return experience, and mm. if you're not putting Richie James on the roster, and I have been making the roster, if you're not putting him yeah. on the roster, if you're not putting C.J. Board on the roster, who's your return man? I mean, Box, Bachman has gotten like two returns in his NFL career. They're not long returns. So I think Richie James has to make the roster. If he doesn't, okay. I'm going to be a little shocked. But he's also a guy, Rich James, and he didn't get a lot of attention this week. No, um, he didn't. That's probably why I'm probably using recency bias. Yeah. Um, but the thing with Richie James is over so many years of watching Giants football, the Giants have lost a step with wide receivers getting injured. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in this new offense, with Richie James being as quick as he is, if Wandale Robinson's injured, if Kadarius Tony is injured, you plop him in. Doesn't miss a step. He's had a good training camp. It's toned down recent, but I feel like he would be a better asset to the team than a guy like CJ Board or Alex Bachman. Um, right, what okay. are your thoughts overall, though? Since we're talking about wide receivers, what are your thoughts on like the whole Darius Slayton thing? Because uh, apparently the Giants have had talks about trading him, and a lot of people are like, "No, nah, let's not trade him. We need wide receiver depth." But there's also two point five million dollars that comes with cutting him. What are your thoughts? I, I, I'm going both ways on it because, first of all, I, I think he's got chemistry with Daniel Jones. Um, I, I think that he's got – I think he's definitely got talent, and uh, you can't dismiss talent. But then I'm looking at this this group, and if you have Richie James, you've mentioned Bachman, got Sills. We've got Shep coming back. Is it really that necessary to carry Slayton? Because then you can cut him, save two and a half mil, and then there's every chance that maybe someone pops up that you like on the waiver wire. Um, oh, they'll pick him. I'm joking. Uh, so, uh, like, uh, there's, you know, like, there's – I think you could probably move on. If, if, the, if there's a trade to be made where you can upgrade, like, say, the secondary or – or even like a, a backup center or whatever, just something to help the interior offensive line. Do you take that trade? I would say so. Or do you, if you get like a sixth or seven round pick for Slayton, who you're going to lose anyway, would you do that? I'd do that next year. So, I would do that. I so, would do that. Wow. yeah, I, I would, I'm actually now after, again, recency bias, because I was really impressed with, with certain wide receivers. 
I think we can move on. I uh, think save some money and and uh, maybe pick up a trade asset or maybe a, a position player of need. Yeah, um, I'm definitely on the same boat as you. Wide receiver depth is important. He has the chemistry with Daniel Jones, and you know there's no doubt that he did struggle during the Judge era. But at the same time, if you're getting something for him. And it's not just cutting him. Okay, he's done. If you're getting something for him, if you're getting a guy that's like backup secondary who can be a good veteran, and there's going to be a lot of surprise cuts across the league. So it's not just going to be the Giants uh, or somebody's cutting or a backup offensive lineman or they're a starting caliber offensive lineman. I mean, you got to take the chance. You have to take the chance if you're um, the New York Giants. Uh, Something – to continue this whole offensive discussion as well, some uh, takeaways. Colin Johnson also stood out. We talked about him. Uh, Chris Myrick had a couple of nice blocks. So the tight end room, it's getting thin. It's, it's, I'm very uh, – this is something we need to discuss. This tight end situation is very, very concerning for me. Yeah, it's, it is very concerning. I mean, Bellinger's going to have his, his rookie stumbles. But Chris Myrick, I mean, he's mainly a blocker. Not much of a pass catcher. And you got Tanner Hudson, who's been with the Bucks, He's been with the Niners. So he's a three tight end option. The reason why I'm not totally confident in this tight end core outside of Bellinger is because they're mostly blocking tight ends. And, you know, I would like a little bit of pass catching versatility. So maybe I change my thought and my narrative on Tanner Hudson and Chris Myrick, but... Uh, you got Austin Allen, who's also waiting in the wings. Could be one of those guys you protect on a game day. You mm-hmm. bring him up, fourth tight end, whatever the case may be. Um, but I am concerned about that tight end position. There's very few snaps at NFL level that are that our tight ends have played. Um, with Ricky Seals Jones done. That was a terrible signing. What a waste of money. Because <laughs> that was one of our like main signings, and that's already down the toilet. So that wasn't good. Uh, that was not good. I, th- I think there were better ones to target that were healthier. Because there's nothing that can replace availability. You know, the best ability is availability. And I, I think... Ricky Seals Jones was a one-trick pony anyway because he's only a receiving tight end. He had no blocking ability, and he was always hurt, and then he gets hurt again. So I think that was a terrible signing. I, I, I didn't love it at the time. So, yeah, that's 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 a mess. Jordan Akins, he's cut. This is good because he stinks. Um, so, I, I listen, you know, go Bellinger, that's it as far as I'm concerned. Byrick maybe as a third tight end, but I, I think we need another tight end, man. We need to hit that waiver wire. We need to maybe look at trades. I don't know what we need to do, but we need another tight end that has some experience at NFL level that can at least have reliable hands and give you a target to Daniel Jones, per Daniel Jones, my God. You know, you know, you need a tight end that you can trust that's always going to come up and get that, get you a ball. Good boss. Back in the Eli Manning days, you know, you go right through it. If you don't have a reliable tight end, because after we lost Boss, Eli Manning didn't have a target for tight end. He liked to have his tight ends that he could target. And uh, when we let Boss go, 
that was a mistake because we, we struggled after that. Um, so we need to we need to pay more attention at, at tight end. Um, I'm a little disappointed at our front office not really prioritizing it as much, um, especially considering, you know, the, there's not exactly a number one receiver either. Uh, so I, I do think that we need a, a better tight end. So hit that waiver wire, get on that phone and make some calls. I don't care what they do, uh, but they need to do something. Do you agree? I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, some other takeaways, Devery Hamilton could make the roster. Um, we'll talk about offensive line as a group. Will Holden wasn't very good at center. His first time playing center in the game. Evan Neal played better at right tackle. He was um, but also, Kenny Galladay was not targeted. So, I don't know which one you want to touch on first. Is that a little worrisome that Kenny Galladay was not targeted? Are there just telling Daniel Jones to throw to the more flunkier wide receivers in the way for the regular season? Because Wandale hasn't gotten a, a lot of attention as well. So do you think it's like the Wandale situation or just because like Kenny Galladay is not doing anything as of right now? Do not throw to him. Don't like, I'm not saying they're targeting him, but I'm saying they're not necessarily scripting plays in his favor. Well, with, with Galladay, he had actually a decent practice, I do believe. I so I don't know. Maybe maybe they're just waiting. I mean, again, it's preseason. You don't want to base too much on preseason. It's not even our full uh, playbook, so they might be holding back. All we can go by is what we can see, and what we're seeing is not good. Um, but listen, I, I want Galladay to, to surprise me because. You know, I, I supported the signing when we got him. I was excited. But I, I'm very worried about his injury because I think it slowed him down. I think he's lost a step, and he wasn't the fastest receiver in the first place. Um, but, listen, if uh, if you can gain just a little bit of separation and Jones is accurate with, uh, with, 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 with uh, allowing him to go up and get the ball, then, you know, he, he should be an asset. You know, he's – you can't teach talent. He's got the talent. It's just I don't really know whether it's injuries. I think he cares. I don't think it's just a sake of, oh, I've signed. I don't care. I think he does care. I just – there's something that that's just not working right now. So he's got one last chance to prove it this year. Uh, I, I hope he steps up. But I'm concerned about it because, you know, we've got KT working back from injury. His injury has taken him a long time. Sterling Shepard, he's just back, which is great news. That's something to be positive about because, uh, you know, Shep is vital. Um, but, again, he's working back from a serious injury, and he's never once proven his health over a full year before. So, And then one day, Robert Robinson, we're already using him in the kind of a gadget role um, already, and, he, and he's not really had much targets, and whenever he – we do give him an opportunity. It's not really he's not really shown much in preseason. So um I'm not overly blown away by our starting receiving core. So which again heightens the need to have a good receiving tight end as well, just to take a little pressure off Bellinger, because it's basically all Bellinger right now. 
So, you know, I think it all ties in because you need some targets for Daniel Jones, man. All salient points right there, Donald. Um, so Shane Lemieux is likely not ready for week one's game. He is out with a foot injury. Uh, Devery Hamilton, who took snaps at left tackle and left guard against the Bengals and the Patriots, he's been playing well over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um what are your thoughts about him and, and just the left guard position? Also, as well, Josh Azudu, from what I hear, is still injured. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on this whole offensive line situation, left guard, and even the depth on the back end? Well, uh, yes. So Lemieux out week one from what I read. So um, that hurts. We need Azudu back. Uh, but – Again, we're having so many injuries right now. Uh, I hope he's back for week one, Azudu, because, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit thin there. Um, I, I think, again, I keep saying this, but we might need to look at the waiver wire because, again, Pert is on the, the PUP list. He's, he's not even ready at all. So I do think we need to go and look at another offensive lineman. It, it's really stretched. Um, We've got, well, Max Garcia. Yeah, but, I mean, to be fair with Garcia, he only got up to the first team because of, like, several injuries. I mean, he was their sixth center. Well, I think he's going to be promoted because <laughs> uh, we don't really have too many options. Uh, but, to be honest, I didn't think they performed badly at all. If you're looking at a positive, I don't think that they were completely – overmatched the only person that was completely overmatched is will holden he was absolutely utterly diabolical he could not snap that ball for love nor money me and you could have snapped the ball better than he could he could not snap the ball for love nor money poor davis webb is picking the ball up here left right center up down you know and it's funny you say that donald because bob papa pointed out on the broadcast that davis webb was kneel almost kneeling he was bending his knees so he could catch the snap yeah you know, it's funny, though. Every single up, snap in that drive, that perfect drive at the end. It was a roll. It was a roll. He couldn't snap the ball properly. I've never seen that before in professional football that your center could not, for an entire drive, snap the football. It was very bad, but, you know, I have to give credit to the Giants because they showed a lot of resiliency. So that's a little bit of a positive spin on the negative. But one thing's for sure, Will Holden can never, ever play center for the New York football Giants. Never, ever. Never want to see him ever again. You know, it's weird. You, you bring up all these points. The right guard, Chris Owens, was Evan Neal's teammate at Bama. He played center at Bama. I don't understand why he wasn't the center. And I know they signed him this week, but really? he was later cut. But, like, Will Holden's never played center. Chris Owens at least has played center. I mean, a different level, yeah, but... I mean, I just can't do it. That's yeah. for sure. I mean, we don't really have a lot of depth at center. Really no, don't. I mean, you have Feliciano. He's coming back, but I don't even know if the starters are going to play. It's not confirmed yet. And then you got Jamil Douglas, who's back, which I'm not happy about. Listen, I don't want injuries on nobody, but I don't want Jamil Douglas on this football team. He's he's no good. There is real concern. About about now our interior offensive line. Uh, how much money are we under the cap? 
because we've gone through numerous positions now where we'll need to attack it in, in the waiver wire. I want to say five under the cap. I could do some research right now. That's why I think cutting Darius Slayton makes all the sense in the world. Spot track, New York Giants cap right now. Not the table. Well, actually, it says 365,000. Under the cap. No, just like that's it. Yeah, That's that's pretty much that. So we're screwed. Well, the cut's got to help out something. Also, the Leonard Williams uh, contract restructure could help. Tell me about that. I don't know much about it, but I know a lot of big reporters have been bringing it up. Uh, that's a possibility in the Slayton thing. I get, other than that, like the minor cuts are going to do something individually because that's mm-hmm. what twenty-seven players you got to cut down to. Okay, that's that's a concern because. You know, we cut Andrew Adams, so uh, he wasn't great. I was surprised that I thought that he was going to be a, a contribu- contributor for us, but he's not really um, distinguished himself. Having said that, I'm still surprised because he was a veteran presence, so a little bit short of safety, so we might need to look at that. We certainly need to look at other corners and interior offensive line uh, and tight end. <laughs> <laughs> you name it, it's it's starting to rack up, and it's a lot of it is to do with unforeseen injuries. You know what I say, Dane Belton. I mean, if they cut Adams, could Dane Belton be ready for Week One? Maybe, maybe. Do we have much choice? I mean, I don't want to rush anyone back from injury, but if they cut Adams, it's got to mean something. We don't have another like good safety back there. I mean, behind him. Behind the two starters in Dane Belton, you have Trenton Thompson, who's played well and could make this roster. You have Yusuf Corker. You have Nate Metters. Yeah. I mean, I think Corker's done fine. Yeah. Corker's done okay. Trenton Thompson has a little bit more of a skill set. But what are your right. thoughts overall on the Kayvon injury, if you want to jump into that real quick? Oh, boy. Uh, first of all, my question to you is, do you think that was a dirty play? After looking at all things, no. I think it was a poorly executed cut block. Wow, okay. And a lot now, it was poorly executed. I also think, possibility, that Kayvon didn't know how to defend it at the NFL level. So there's that. Um, but it's, it's just tough. It's just tough, man, losing another edge. Now we got Aziz with the... With the calf injury, seems like a Teixeira injury. Obviously, I mean, Donald are Yankee fans, so we would get that joke. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting overall look at to see what this edge room is in the next three weeks. Because we'll we'll get into that. I just wanted to ask whether you yeah. thought it was a dirty play. But for me, Moss didn't need to do that. Did he need to do a couple of? That may have been his assignment, though. That's kind of my thing. Now, I've never, and I've said this a hundred times on here, I've never played professional football, not even at Mm. the high school, middle school level, but I'm pretty sure that was, like, the way he was supposed to get Thibodeau out of the play. Because if he doesn't do that, Thibodeau can chase the back and make a tackle. 
And that's kind of it didn't look like Thibodeau was in any position to be chasing anybody. He was on an island there. I, I it wasn't a good executed play from Thibodeau. He did put himself in that position. He looked like he was a little bit on an island, and he, he looked like he was a little bit too upright. And uh, you know, he didn't use his hands to protect himself. He didn't put himself in a, in a position in order to, you know, avoid opening up his lower legs to getting targeted like that. But I watched the replay numerous times, and it did look to me like he targeted his lower leg, which he didn't need to do. Um, Mika Parsons tweeted about the fact that there's cut blocks going on in, in preseason. He said that he didn't like that at all. I think that shouldn't be happening, so I agreed with him, obviously. I, I don't think it needed to happen. Um, now, I preface that by saying that Jordan Rannan spoke to – Brian Dable and Dable had no issue with it. Uh, so it's not necessarily seen as a dirty play. Just in my personal opinion, I felt it at the time. I felt it was dirty. I really did. I think it, I, I just keep looking at that replay. I, I He did not need to put his, his shoulder and his helmet straight at his unprotected lower lower leg like that because that's a leg breaker waiting to happen that breaks a leg nine times out of ten it's a freaking miracle it didn't break his leg or tear his mcl or acl um go very very lucky i'd say slightly miraculous that he didn't because i think it was purely ex- executed on both sides but thibodeau's fault you know you can teach that his moss's fault almost ruins thibodeau's rookie year and he's rehabbing all in the next year too that's how serious it was. It was that far away. So um, I, I still think it was uncalled for. And uh, I really hope he gets cut, Moss, because he's, he's a dirty asshole as far as I'm concerned. So And also his uh, his Instagram lit up from Giant fans. That was awesome. But that's just, that's just a side note. Um, as for Thibodeau itself, it's a miracle that, that uh, it's only going to take three or four weeks till he's back. Yeah, before we get into the edge position and the scarcity of depth there that I was kind of going on a little bit before, thoughts on the Beavers injury, tearing his ACL, Colin Johnson tearing his Achilles. Do you think, because there's been debates and there's been retrieved quotes from John Mara, do you think there is actually something wrong with the turf or do you think it's some of these players like not exercising properly and all that stuff? I don't think it's a think, it's a fact. I think it's a fact that there's a problem with the turf. Just look at the injuries. Um, I do believe there are ex-players that have complained about the turf. Um, I can't quote them, but I do recall reading certain ex-giants have had an issue with with the turf. I, I think it's been a well-known issue, uh, the MetLife turf. Um, I, I think it's scandalous that at this day and age, you know, John Merritt, it's his responsibility to protect his employee, his employees. And in this case, his employees are, are his football players. And uh, I, I think that turf is is something that needs to be looked at. Chris Johnson uh, of the Jets. What's that, sorry? Chris Johnson of the Jets, too. Right. So I, I think it's the Jets and Giants. It's not just John Mara. Um you know, Merritt did a lot right this offseason to fix a lot of the problems that were in this organization. Now you've kind of got an issue here where it's just you guy guys rolling over 
and and hurting themselves just because you know they're not really planning their foot properly because of the turf then i think that's a turf problem um so i i do think it's it's the organizations both the organizations the jets and the giants responsibility to put together a, a good turf that you can rely on but why not just grass we had grass before and it was fine and I, it's not going to cause the kind of injuries that you get on turf and uh, you know it's, it's a little weird that an open-air stadium you know in new jersey which is not exactly the warmest place in the entire world in october november december is it really neat to have turf like that because if you fall that's going to be sore and it's going to be cold you know what i mean it's not like you're in a hot weather um now i'm not a doctor but i just don't think these are good things for your body to be to be getting hit and then hitting a hard turf like that i think you need, you need some grass so I, I do think that that needs to be fixed yeah um apparently the turf contract ends after this year so are they gonna pull a blind move and re-sign the contract for the turf or are they gonna say listen we got smartened up here natural grass i don't have a lot of faith in the fact that the new york giants will do that i also don't have faith because it seems very nose blind that they are putting their head trainer into the ring of honor and the injuries over the last few years okay it's time to fucking go because it's honestly <laughs> well maybe it's not his fault maybe it's the turf it's got to be something it, it really has to be something because i'm pretty sure they installed new turf in 2020 that's where you saw zach banner nick bosa Solomon Thomas, right? Multiple guys tear their ACLs. Blake Martinez right. last year. Blake Darius Martinez. Williams. I mean, he didn't tear his ACL in MetLife, but maybe he aggravated the injury, and then it just got worse in Dallas. So there's a lot of things to look at there. But even to go back a few years, like when we were getting hurt in 2017, Ronnie Barnes was still the guy that was the trainer. And I'm not trying to say he's stupid, he's not knowledgeable in the medical field, but sometimes it's it's time to call it quits and get somebody else in there, get somebody from Buffalo in there, get somebody else. I don't know. I don't care. And I think this is more of a problem than people see because But dude, you can have Dr. Quinn medic you dude, you can have Dr. Quinn medicine women. Uh, but if you've got a terrible turf, it makes no difference. You can have right. the no, best I'm doctor not... in the world. <laughs> I, no, think it, I, I think I understand, it's no, I understand that but i'm just saying because they installed this new turf in 2020 and i'm not saying the turf before that was anything spectacular it wasn't but just to know that you know a lot of these injuries you know could could this medical staff have done something different could they have mm. could, could they be talking players into a diet that Maybe it's not that good. I don't know. That's why we're talking about speculation, all this other stuff. Yeah. But I just feel like it's a little nose blind that they're putting this guy into the ring of honor. And, you know, we're just going to sit here and let these injuries happen, whether it's his fault or not. Something needs to be done. Oh, something needs to be done. It really does. Because I really think that the turf caused um, Beaver's injury. Well, certainly had something to do with it. At least 50% to do with it. And that's more than enough odds to to say, right, well, we need to fix something. Because all I ever hear is, oh, he's rolled over on the Giants turf. Oh, now he's now he's now his knee's done. Right? It's it's happened a lot. It's happened more than just a couple times. And I'm surprised that uh not enough is being said about it, especially through the media, because usually media pressure 
um, the Giants are hyper sensitive to to the to the way the media portrays them. So a little bit of pressure would certainly not <laughs> not be out of the question, in my opinion. Yeah, and to quote John Mara, he said it's an average NFL turf. Average. Average. I mean, what the what what the frick kind of word is that? Is that something that's meant to like uh give you confidence? Is that something <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like that's not something that gives you confidence. Oh, this is the average turf. Why are you not getting the best turf? You're the New York Football Giants. You're one of the best organizations in the entire Mitch country. Too. You know why you should have the best of the best. You know, Mayor is pretty rich. It's not like you're cheap. So it's it's weird. That's, that's a weird answer, man. The average turf. Well, that's great. Um. So talk about the edge room a little bit. Uh, Quincy Roche stood out among the edges. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, I mean, he got hurt in the Jets practice, but him and Oshane Zimenez contracted holding penalties. Mm-hmm. But Quincy Roche just stood out the most. He's been standing out the most, honestly, in the last two games. And it's not like, oh, he's dominating, but he's tackles for a loss, maybe like one a game. And Ellerson Smith didn't play last game. Taman Fox had the big hit. And why I said before that it's going to be interesting to see how this edge room plays out is because, well, if Kayvon Thibodeau isn't there week one, Zizo Jolari isn't there week one, um, how are you going to get to the passer without an edge rush? Who's going to I'm actually not, I'm not concerned about the edge rush. It's one of the few positions I'm not concerned about purely because this is Wink Martindale. And that dude is – he's a genie – at, at creating pressure he will find ways in order to create pressure uh on that quarterback uh i, I really i really am not concerned we're gonna get ujulari back soon Thibodeau back soon we're gonna be rocking and rolling we'll be talking about their backups and again i i didn't have any problem with the with our with our pass rush i mean as we, as we mentioned to Fox did an unbelievable hit there at the end i'm really excited for him and it was cool that his family were in the stands too that was that was really really cool um i i i hope that he maybe has a chance of uh of making the roster i was really impressed by him actually um anyway i don't think there's going to be any concern in terms of generating pressure that's whole wing martin deal system and wing martin deals one of the best uh defensive coordinators in the game especially at generating pressure. We might not have the best personnel until Thibodeau and Ojolari are 100%, but I still think it will be more than enough to at least keep us in games uh, until we're ready to rock and roll with our or two stars. Very good points right there for someone who isn't very worried about the edge position. Um, so Ryder Anderson could make the roster with no Chris Hinton played well. Uh, Nick Williams also played well amongst the ones with Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence not really getting any snaps. Um, the run defense could be a little bit better with setting the edge amongst the threes. Uh, that's something I noticed. Tate Crowder has been quiet, but he's also been productive at the same time, and it's going to be a key thing for him to contribute with Darian Beavers going down. So there's not much pressure for him to get out of that linebacker role. 
now that it's just Micah McFadden, Carter Coughlin, and Austin Calitro, guys that may or may not make the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed Aaron Robinson did a little bit better, but he did. struggling throughout the year in coverage is definitely going to be something that we got to look out for as an outside corner since he really wasn't drafted to be an outside corner. Um, Elijah Griffin was the new kid on the block, and he was terrible. <laughs> he looked so bad. The one play he made was the fumble recovery on the Taman Fox hit. Zion Gilbert looked a little bit better, number 38. Um, also, as well, the special teams looked like utter garbage. CJ Board has to get cut, but also Jamie Gillen did good as uh, a kicker. And also, emergency kicker, yeah, he kicked a field goal. Yeah. Also, Khalil Dorsey, uh, number 31 for the defense. I think he's been silent, but productive at the same time. So, Donald, uh, your thoughts on the defense in terms of the linebackers in the secondary, in terms of coming off this game and the outlook, and then maybe dip into the special teams a little bit in your thoughts. Uh, yeah. Concerned about the depth. That linebacker and now with Beavers down, because he was actually pegged to probably be our starter. I would have said if he wasn't if he wasn't our starter by week one, he was almost certainly going to be our starter by week two. He was on that trajectory. Um, he looked like a great pick, and uh, and he was just he was just so good and dominant. And it really sucks for him, and it sucks for us. Uh, and so it hurts us too, because I'm not the biggest T Crowder fan. So we're going to need a lot of T Crowder. Uh, and uh, we need Blake Mar- Martinez to be 100%. Uh, but after them, there's kind of a lack of depth, let's be quite honest. So, uh, you know, maybe I don't see Carter Coughlin making the roster. Um, so, again, <laughs> we might be needing to look at the waiver wire again for, for this because we're stretched, man. I, now, going into um, – Week two, I think we had 27 people hurt or on the PUP. There was 27. We had a ton of people that were injured. Uh, it's it's absolutely crazy. And uh, it's my biggest concern because slowly the big optimism, I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say big optimism, cautious optimism I had going into this year is now starting to dwindle slightly with each injury, because it seems to be on a weekly basis that a very thin position group is getting thinner. And that's that's my biggest concern because I've been impressed with the coaching. I've been impressed with their preseason wins. And, uh, and generally our starters, I've not had a major problem with. Um, it's really the depth. And the depth, and that's nothing to do with Joe Shane. Because he had absolutely no um, salary cap to play with because of what Dave Gettleman did to to the roster, which is a war crime as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so it's it's really put our backs against the wall. We're hoping to, to to sneak by on some thin position groups, but now we've talked about middle linebacker, which was thin, even with Beavers. Now it's really thin. Uh, you know, their secondary safety position was thin and we got even more thin by cutting Logan Ryan. We never really got him replaced. So um, we got that issue, very thin corner. 
we're very, very thin at tight end. We do, as far as I'm concerned, we only have one tight end. Uh, so it's that's my biggest concern overall. Again, it's the injuries. So um, to to touch back on the original question, I know it was long winded, but um, middle linebacker, yeah, concerned about the depth after Tay Crowder. Definitely agree there. Um, also, the New York Giants signed Ryan Santoso. Not a long-term injury for Graham Gannell. Santoso was with the Giants last year, and then he got traded for a pick that was conditional, and that pick never happened, and now we're back with Santoso. But it's likely just a week. Um, before we switch over to the Jets-Giants preview and, and the recap of the practice, Donald, any final thoughts? Yeah, we didn't touch uh, the the coverage uh, of our punt and kick returns is, oh, is something that is so bad. Like, what is going on? Is is this a is this a McGee issue? Like, I mean, is it a coaching issue? Is it is it a is personnel, it personnel issue? issue? It could be a personnel know. issue. I mean. We, we've seen some bad special teams play in the last two years. But I just didn't think it would get this bad. Like, fumble. Like, CJ Boyd's supposed to be your trusty returner. Fumbles. And while that takes pressure. the ball out of the offense's hands, you've got multiple nice returns by the Patriots and Bengals. So they just have to choose wisely. They just have to choose wisely. As my light goes out uh, while I'm talking. But. Do you think um, Dory Jackson or or Tony are gonna are gonna be our returners? But because of, do you want to risk injury with with both? Absolutely not. I don't want to risk injury. Right. So that's why I was talking about before. You better have Rich James on the roster because he could be in the offense. You don't have to rely on him too much unless somebody's injured, and he also plays special teams. So right. That I wouldn't want to risk any starter being a special teamer. Um, so they got they, that's another thing. Once again, waiver wire, and I'm not a guy that's like, oh, special teams, special teams, special teams. It's not the Joe Judge era anymore. Um, but something's got to be done because plays like that take the ball out of our offense's hands, and they also make it very hard for the defense to actually come on the field and make stops. We can't yeah. have that this year with the offense growing and the defense very young at that. So on a positive note. Um, because I don't want to end in a negative because after a very, very strong performance um, against the Bengals. And the Bengals, you know, they tackled hard. They It's not like they took that that game off, even though it wasn't their starters. They they went at it hard, but but we, we found a way of getting on top, which is good. But um, the positive for me was uh, Daniel Jones, one particular, two particular throws that really stood out to me for Daniel Jones. Um, first of all, the pressure that he took, remember when, uh, when there was a relentless pass rush right in his face and he got out a perfect ball to, to sales right in his face. That was a tough play and uh, it was perfect. Um, so I, I can't say enough about that. And obviously my very favorite was, uh, the back shoulder fade. Um, that was perfect. I've, I've very rarely seen Daniel Jones with with that kind of perfect touch on a very difficult throw. And it was absolutely, it's perfect. So, you know, he's, he's surprised me. I'm not a Daniel Jones truther, 
Um, but I do understand that he does have an arm. Um, and and he showed it off there. He, he, he I, I love that back shoulder fade because, first of all, we never had any back shoulder fades at all last year. That was not part of the offense. Um, it was an incredibly vanilla offense, um, partly Jason Garrett's fault, but I'm not even going to blame him necessarily. I think a lot of it was actually Joe Judge. Joe Judge, Mr. Know-It-All, ran an awful uh, system. Really was terrible. So uh, we didn't have any of these kind of plays. And the fact that we already showed that off week two of preseason and nailed it and uh, and Sills developed a really good chemistry and he was making all the plays, I think that's a positive. And it's a positive for Daniel Jones because um, he had the interception, which wasn't really necessarily his fault. It wasn't a great throw, but he should easily have been caught. Um, he was starting to heat up, and then he just – once he got in a rhythm – as he often does, once he got in a rhythm, he started looking really good. And that, those two throws were once he was in that kind of rhythm. So I, I think that's some, a good way to end it uh, for my final thoughts. Um, yes, injuries are a concern. Yes, we need to be addressing uh, the depth in, in the waiver wire and, and trades. But um, if you want a positive, I'm going to say that Daniel Jones takes my positive. And this is a big statement for me because I'm not a giant Daniel Jones fan, but impressed me in week two really did yeah you guys can find uh donald nerding out sports pinstripe chronicles last word on uh last word on sports with the basketball so donald does a lot of stuff donald and boys in the big apple of course boys in the big apple (laughs) Uh, catch at 8 10 p.m eastern standard time every single monday we'll be back on monday obviously talking about nba nfl mlb all action on those three sides donald thank you for coming on all right so this section of the podcast is kind of like twin bill podcast but we're talking football two separate teams luke is already showcasing the giants colors with the red shirt yeah totally um but anyway luca comes on big blue in the bronx podcast i wanted a jets content creator on but nobody responded to me but anyway um we're gonna be placing a bet this weekend uh, on the game, of course. I think we're going to do this every year because we did it last year with the Nick Mangold and the Eli Manning jersey thing. Uh, first thoughts coming in, Luca, and if you want to explain what we're betting on and stuff like that. Well, if the Giants win, I have to wear a Saquon Barkley jersey or shirt. And if if my team ends up winning for the second year in a row, hopefully that's the case. I obviously want my guys to do well. Uh, you'll be wearing my Zach Wilson shirt. Zach Wilson, as uh, people call. You could all. I could also sport you with some Jets socks. I also could sport you with the Jets hat. Um, I think that's, and then I'll cover you with the uh, Jets blanket. Yeah, we're gonna go all out in terms of that stuff. Absolutely, on who wins and loses, um, especially on the Boys of the McApple podcast, which will be interesting. But once again, we'll see when we get to Monday. First thoughts coming into this game. Uh, your team got off to two rough starts, especially against the Falcons, but they climbed back. They won both games. Go ahead. Listen, everybody's going to talk about the resiliency. And yeah, that's cool. But I just do listen, ev- like everybody's going to come up with the excuse, for, especially for the last game. You know, the starters didn't play, but you still expect a competitive effort out of the defense, no matter who the talent is. You know the saying, Alex. Like, let's just say all the starters were injured. I'm not hoping that, but you know the saying. It is simply next man up. 
Bryce Hall was terrible. The secondary was wide open. We were not getting consistent pass rush on the quarterbacks for Atlanta, whether it was Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter. We were just not getting pressure to them. So the, I'll explain the philosophy of Robert Sal's defense. You, you have to get pass rush with your four down linemen. Speed on the edges, power inside. If that doesn't happen, then the secondary is left in a bunch of zones, a wide open zone. You saw that a lot. If you want to go back and watch the film, you can. A lot of wide open zones because the second because the uh, the uh, the defensive line was not getting to the quarterback, and that's what tends to happen. And I don't exactly like seeing that. Do you think Jeff Ulbrich is on the hot seat this year? I th- I'm going to keep a very close eye on him because I did not like what he did last year. He even admitted in the uh, Flight 2022 docuseries that he did not make the best of players. He did not utilize them in the right way. I thought the Jets, like, I thought the Jets, you know, obviously they had a lot of trouble with a lot of things last year. The run defense was terrible. They could not cover a screen pass. They were too zony, in my opinion, too, a little too conservative at times because their philosophy is zone on first and second down, and then they play press man on third. Obviously, a very crucial down where you're four down line to have to get to the quarterback so you can get off the field. So you have that, and I just too much zone at times, too much zone. Like, there's certain times for zone. Obviously, I just explained the philosophy but sometimes you just got to make adjustments to what's going on. And that's what I thought should have happened in the first two games. If the second, if, uh, if the defensive line was not getting to the quarterback, then you got to make adjustments with the play calling because obviously there's wide, wide open holes in the secondary because of the zone defense. How, how far off are you playing off the line of scrimmage? How far off are you playing? You know, you, you got to look at these different things. You have to adjust in game. I agree. I definitely agree. So some joint practice takeaways. I'll go over my Giants. You can go over your Jets. Um, not heated. Obviously, it was the first practice, I think, 17 years. That's um, correct. After the whole fight and everything that happened, it was basically... Amani Toomer was talking shit. So was uh, John Abraham. Yeah, it was a bunch of stuff there. Um, Daniel Jones, he, I think, had two incompletions on the day. One was a last... Uh, minute throw to Bryce Hall, which was an interception, and it was the latter end of the practice. And then there was one that was actually um, that was uh, a free play. Jets were offside, incompletion. So it kind of was like his day against the Bengals, and he did really well. It's good to see him, you know, in a mode, in a rhythm. And for most of training camp, Luca, as you know, Daniel Jones just hasn't looked great. But when he's going against other defenses and other schemes uh, besides the New York Giants, he's looked good uh, against the Bengals, against your team. Um, Elijah Moore did blow away Giants cornerback, so that's a little worrisome. Uh, heading into the year, we do face a lot of speedy receivers within the division. Zizo Jolari injures his calf during stretches, so that's not good. Hopefully, he's ready for week one. Um, would you sit you would him out this game, right? What was that? You would sit him out this game. Yeah, no, I, there's no question about that. Um, Elijah Griffin took a pick back for six, and I think Xavier McKinney also got a pick as well. Uh, Luca, your takeaways from the Jets side of things? Well, in my opinion, there wasn't much takeaway. So 
So here's what I took away. Daniel Jones started at eighth rate on completions. Obviously, that's worrisome, but you don't know how many yards those were. They could be checkdowns. They could be intermediate passes. Maybe it's just the open holes in the zone, as I explained earlier. Um, obviously, you said Elijah Moore blew away the Giants quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, I'm sorry. And, you know, that's who he is. You know, he has speed. He doesn't have Tyreek Hill speed, but he's very twitchy. He'll get open in, like, snap of a finger. Obviously, I can't snap. Um, Sauce Gardner was not targeted as much. I mean, that's been the story for him ever since his college days. You know, he's not a Revis archetype. He doesn't have the Revis build. He's more of an Antonio Cromartie build. But he's like the, he plays like the Revis kind of style. Like, nobody's going to – he's going to shut down a whole side of the field for you. If he's going to be covering the top receiver, he's going to be shutting that side down the field, making your def- make it easier for the defense and make it more difficult for the opposing quarterback. He just sticks to you. He has good foot speed. He has good athleticism. He has a good build height you know lengthwise so he's gonna stick to anybody like i saw a report like braxton barrios he was doing some one-on-ones with sauce corner and he couldn't even break away from that's how impressive he was and you know we everybody knows how speedy braxton barrios is so that happened uh bradley and i carl lawson john and franklin myers came with sacks although franklin myers did touch the quarterback which is a no-no unfortunately with the nfl's soft you know regulations and rules regarding training camp DJ Reed and Jermaine Johnson went down with injuries. They both seem to be okay. I don't know if they play Sunday. Uh, Garrett Wilson was flashing his separation ability, ability to control his body. That's been the thing since his college days. And, you know, the big thing is with Garrett Wilson, there's two major, not really two major, one that followed him from college, one so much not. We haven't really seen the one from college yet. It's, you know, you guys have a press. You guys play man press on third down, correct? Like the big downs. Well, generally, that's what Wink Martindale's scheme is about with all the blitzing. So it's going to be more than third down. Because I'm interested to see what he does on Sunday against the press man because that's what he struggled to get separation on in college. You know, he was not very consistent with that. And sometimes he has a lot of focus drops. Like, he'll be thinking about running before he catches the ball, which is obviously not good. But hopefully, again, that's not a problem that followed him from college, that he was very good with focus in college and you know we'll see what happens on sunday um other than that you know wink was giving the the jets some exotic looks on defense we'll see that on sunday i'm very interested to see how the jets adjust especially with mike white chris trebler and joe flacco yeah definitely so now we get to move into the actual preview five roster bubble players that need a performance boost since the giants the away team i will go first I'm going to say Yusuf Corker. The Giants cut Andrew Adams on Friday. It was a little bit of a surprise move, even though he hasn't been that good at safety and on special teams. Uh, He was a veteran presence, so that could be an endorsement towards Dane Belton coming back for week one with that broken collarbone, which, I mean, we'll see what happens. He's been running with the trainer, so that's a good sign. But they've been more impressed with Trenton Thompson, the rookie UDFA, out of San Diego State, who I like better than Yusuf Corker. And everybody, you know, coming in was talking about Yusuf Corker, Yusuf Corker, right? Uh, just hasn't shown a lot. So Trent Thompson's getting more praise than Corker is, but Corker this game, and I'm going to just go out there and predict that either the starters don't play or they play minimally. And that will give time for some of these backups, these UDFAs, to go out there and put their skill set on the field. And Yusuf Corker needs to do that. Uh, the next guy is Richie James. He lit up the first game a little bit along with Colin Johnson. Uh, He had that one touchdown from Tyron Taylor. He tore it up in camp early. 
has been quiet of recent. You know, the beat reporters haven't really been saying much about him, but he needs to make the team, in my opinion, because Giants, I'm not necessarily a special teams guy. I never really have been, but he's a guy that can punt return, kick return, and you won't be able – you're not going to lose a step in the offense if Kadarius Tony, Wandale Robinson, or Sterling Shepard is hurt. In my opinion, is Richie James as talented as they are? No but he can provide the same skill set they do in terms of speed. Uh, the next guy is DJ Davidson. Now, a lot of people wouldn't consider him a roster bubble player, but with Ryder Anderson uh, coming along in training camp, with Nick Williams doing uh, some things as well, the former Bear, Lion, Chief, he's been with a couple of different teams, with Jalen Holmes impressing as well as a backup defensive lineman. Uh, it seems that DJ Davidson just needs to play a little bit better as a rookie. They could always stash him onto the practice squad, but he's a late-round pick. Um, it would be honestly strange to see him go on the practice squad when we need as many bodies and young cats as possible, but we'll see what happens in terms of him. O'Shane Zimenez, uh, he could not get past Max Mitchell in the joint practices, which I was not surprised in, and that's not a good thing. Um, He's shown up maybe once or twice in the preseason games, contracting two holding penalties. And, you know, the tackle that held him, DeAndre Smith, he got like a couple of holding penalties. So it's not just O'Shane Zimmon as, you know, Aziz Ojolari as well. So he needs to step up his game. Uh, Tamon Fox is showing a little bit, Quincy Roche as well. And then Jamil Douglas, uh, he's coming back this week. I would expect him to play. Why would you hold him over till Tennessee if you don't even know he's going to make the roster? So right now, Josh Azudu, Ben Bredesen, they are injured. They're going to make the roster, in my personal opinion. Um, but Jamil Douglas just hasn't been good as the backup center. And he only played a little bit in that Patriots game, small sample size. So he needs to get it going. Um, I know you have some roster bubble players that you want to point out that really need to have a good game. Of course, I'm just going to ask, like, What's going on with C.J. Board? He's injured, right, or is he not? He is injured. He has a rib injury. He will not play this weekend. And obviously you want Richie James to make the team over him because I'm obviously watching these games as well. Um, you're, I obviously – I'm sure you expect the same thing. You expect Joe Shane to look at the waiver wire for offensive linemen? Yeah, that's that's without a question. Offensive line, tight end, linebacker. Like what, let me ask this as well. What's starting? What are your starting offensive line right now? What are the main holes from what was projected to be the starting offensive line? Feliciano's coming back. You have Andrew Thomas. You have Evan Neal. You have Mark Lewinsky. So it's just left guard, right? It is left guard. Um, some depth as well because it's a little weird. Uh, Shane Lemieux is, in my opinion, not playing in week one. Uh, Brian Dable said, don't expect to see him anytime soon. So there's that. Uh, Devery Hamilton right now looks to be the starting left guard. And I'm a little worried. He's played well in the preseason. But when you start going up against, you know, bigger and better guys like Jeff, it's going to be. I'm going to say this is also going to be a test for him against this defensive line. This is not a joke. You know, I'm not overrating my offensive line. No, I'm sorry, the defensive line. You know, because of my team. But you know, this is a very strong unit. There's depth to this. The first defensive line rotation is probably like Quinn and Williams and JFM on the inside. Maybe Jermaine Johnson or Jacob Martin and Carl Lawson coming off the edge. Then you have Sheldon Rankins, you have Solomon Thomas, you have Vinny, I'm sorry, not Vinny Curry, 
Michael Clemens. You have all these different guys that can come off the edge. Bryce Huff as well. So it's going to be interesting to test your offensive line. And as you mentioned, Devery Hamilton, because you, as you said, he's played well in the preseason, but nobody, he, the Giants have not faced a defensive line like the Jets, and especially that the Jets are playing their defensive line starters. I will agree. Uh, Devery Hamilton has not played a snap when it comes to NFL games in the regular season, so that's what I'm scared for. Uh, Josh Azudu, I mean, he'll probably play week one on special teams. I don't expect him to be a starter. Um, so there's that. Ben Bredesen, I mean, are you really going to put him in at left guard? I'm not too confident in that. Uh, so you got your starting five right now in Thomas, Hamilton, Feliciano, Glowinski, and Neal. Then you got the injured Shane Lemieux. Then you got uh, Jamil Douglas, possibly, but that's a toss-up. You have Josh Azudu. There's going to be a lot of mix and matching pieces. So the waiver wire is definitely going to be an area uh, that the Giants seek in terms of upgrades for this roster. But uh, you want to go into those roster mobile players that need to have a good performance? Yeah, I don't really have a ton. I have three. Ashton Davis, you know, he's he's been a disappointment since he's came out of college from 2020 on. 2020 was a mixed bag. There was not a lot of known because I think he was injured for most of the most of his rookie season. He came back, nothing which was unknown. Everybody highlighted his speed, his athleticism. 2021 was horrible for him. Not a great tackler, not a great angle tackler, not great in coverage. Just below average for his safety, maybe even less than below average, to be honest. He's basically a high – how would I put this delicately? He's, he's, he's a propped-up athlete because he everyone's like, oh, he ran a track in college. He has all the speed. He has 4-2 speed or whatever. But that doesn't always translate, you know, just because you have those – you know, the skill set of that and those attributes doesn't mean you're going to be great in coverage. Doesn't mean you're going to be tackling the right way, getting the right angles. He hasn't done that this year. He hasn't done that in the past. I know he had a good OTAs apparently, but he's not. Nobody's called his name when it came when it comes to uh, training camp. And as far as I know, Will Parks, Tony Adams have had good camps. UDFA Tony Adams, um, Jason Pinnock is probably going to be ahead of them in the chart. So Ashton Davis basically is the odd man out in that position. You know, that's gonna. I think that's gonna be a rotational position because. You know, LaMarcus Joyner is up there in age, and he hasn't played in about two years. So I'm going to go into my next one, LaMichael Pirine. Jets have a lot of depth with the running back position. You have Brees Hall and Michael Carter. They're going to be undoubtedly make the roster. Then everything else is up in, de- up in the air from there. You have Tevin Coleman, very good contributor from last year. Special teams as well, return, returner, you know, good guy out of the backfield. Still has that shifty burstiness. Um, you have Zonovan Knight. Uh, UDFA, he's been very solid. I wasn't really overly impressed with him last game, though. But the Eagles game, he showed a lot more, in my opinion. You have Michael Piran, as I mentioned. And Ty Johnson, I don't think, has really came off the page because the Jets did acquire him in 2020 off waivers from the Lions. He did show some flashes 2021. He looked good for the first, you know, I'd say first half. And then second half, he just wasn't great. The drops definitely curved his game the wrong direction. So moving on, Trayvon Wesco, you know, the Jets have a lot of tight ends. You have CJ Uzama, who we picked up this offseason, Tyler Conklin, who we picked up this offseason. You have Lawrence Cager. You have Jeremy Rucker, who we drafted. And then you have uh, Trayvon Wesco. 
and also Kenny was Kenny Yabo as well. So Wesco last game against the Falcons, he had a few holding penalties and false starts. I I don't see a way for him. I don't see any plan for him on this roster. I think he's going to be gone. Not even he's like one of the latter few McCagnin picks that is left on this team overall. And never know, they might put Jeremy Ruckert in the H-back position. They might do the same with Lawrence Cager. But Cager, in my opinion, I see as a guy who's going to go out wide for you. He has the speed. He has the breakaway speed on the yards after the catch. He is tall. He's a good frame. I don't know about his blocking. I really see much of that because all I see the Jets using him in is pass sets. So we'll see about that. Those are my three players. you got Trayvon Wesco, tight end or fullback. You have LaMichael P. Ryan, the running back, and Ashton Davis, safety. All right. Five players you're most excited to see. I'm going to really go with, yeah, you know what? I'll stick with five. Um, so I'm going to go number one for me, Trenton Thompson. Obviously more playing time with him, and they really like him. Uh, outside of Dane Belton, Xavier McKinney, and Julian Love, they really like this guy. And I like him too. He can cover. He can be in the box. He can be on special teams. So he offers more of a versatile skill set than Nate Metters and Yusuf Corker combined. Um, you know, once again, he's going to be contesting for that number four safety position. Dane Belton's coming back, as we assume. So I'm really excited to see him in a larger role. Uh, defensive lineman Nick Williams, he's going to be contesting for one of the D-line spots. You got Dexter Lawrence, you got Leonard Williams. Uh, I think Jalen Holmes might make the roster at this point. But you also need maybe one, two more defensive linemen down there. And I think Nick Williams played well last game, especially against the run. And, you know, obviously he needs to make the roster. So I'm kind of excited to see what he does against the Jets offensive line. Linebacker Taman Fox, he flashed a little bit last week with that big pop. Uh, I believe it was on Trenton Irwin on the screen pass. They were trying to get to the sideline. He popped him, forced fumble, game over. Um, so I'm really excited to see him. And once again, he's going to get increased snaps because the starters are not going to play a lot if they do at all. And it's going to be against the Jets offensive line. That's either the ones or the twos. And listen, make your bo- make your bones somewhere, right? Um, Zion Gilbert's another guy. And obviously they're going to mix the ones and twos with the Jets because they're playing the starters more than we are. Uh, Zion Gilbert was a little bit better last game, and he could possibly crack the practice squad. I don't see him making the roster, but as a guy, you know, a developmental piece, better than Darren Evans so far. So he's another guy I'm excited to watch. And then Matt Breida as well. As of right now, he isn't ruled out. Uh, I think he's also a guy that you could consider on the roster bubble because uh, he hasn't gotten any game reps. And, you know, he just needs to play. Yeah, he's been injured uh, the last two weeks so he's gonna need to get some snaps in there and run the football well and pass protect well and if he's not gonna play then tanner hudson i want to see what we have out of our third tight end because i don't know that austin allen's making the roster but you have uh five guys six guys actually that you are interested in looking at for this game yeah my first one is michael clemens he just bursts off the page you know a lot of jeff fans i should say a lot some were skeptical of the pick because Clemens had a few off-the-field issues when it comes to drunk driving or whatever, drugs, whatever you want to call it. But Clemens has been as advertised with his skill set. He's just bursting off the edge, power, speed, combination of that. He's just somebody you do not want to get hit by. He will hit you with some violence. 
He's just nasty, and I'm excited to see him against this Giants offensive line. Garrett Wilson's another one. He is an ex. He's a very dynamic receiver. Uh, obviously, I mentioned he's a good separator. He's a good route runner. That's probably one of his more pristine characteristics. Very good body control as well, and he he can go up and get it. You know, he's not a big body receiver, but he can he can burn you in a couple of ways. He can go up and get it. He can burn you horizontally. He can beat you yards after the catch. He's just fun to watch, especially in these preseason games. And he's a guy that makes the spectacular catch. Like if there's a ball a little out in front of him, he has no issue with going and diving and grabbing it, trying to get the first down. He just does what he needs to do, and I love that. Next one, I have uh, Brees Hall. You know, I was very surprised with this pick when it came to the Jets making because I thought, you know, they would have waited later on. But Brees Hall has been as advertised from his college days. He is a hit-the-hole guy and home-run guy. Reason I say that is, you know, you see it in the college film. You look at Michael Carter. You know, Michael Carter and Brees Hall are two different types of running backs, in my opinion, and how most people see it. Carter's slippery, and he will evade some tackles, but he is not a home run guy. If he, The farthest I think he went last year for a long run was like 68 yards. Brees Hall could do better than that. And plus, he won't be just running 68 yards. He will take you all the way for a touchdown. As I saw in the Falcons practice, he ran for something like an 83-yard rushing touchdown in the joint practices. I know that's just a joint practice, but he has the true home run ability. Once he makes a defender miss, he's probably gone. That's why I think I, – and Tyson Rausch from Let's Talk Jets brought, it up, brought this up multiple times. He has like a Ladanian Tomlinson archetype with the cuts – and he does have this – you could kind of com, com, combine it. It's Le'Veon Bell, and it's also LaDainian Tomlinson. He has the size of Bell, but the cuts of Tomlinson. He's just quick, hit the hole, and go. And also, more on that, Sauce Gardner, as I mentioned, I love what he – I love his frame. I love his athleticism. I love his foot speed. I love his length. And he's just very focused in on his game. He won't be afraid to talk trash, and he's just very sticky to wide receivers. He takes away one part of the field, which is difficult for quarterbacks and easier for the defense. So I'm very interested to see if the Giants, A, are going to be playing the starters and who will be matched up against him. Will it be Kenny Galladay? Will it be Darius Slade or Sterling Shepard? Whoever. I'm sure you're going to let me know on that. Um, Then I'd say the last two, Carl Lawson and Bradley and I. Bradley and I might make the roster. I know the Jets have a lot of defensive line depth, and I think he's one of the guys I mentioned but he's just speedy off the edge. He had a huge, huge return for a touchdown. It was a strip sack fumble on, I think it was Felipe Franks on the Monday night game against the Falcons. So very interesting for him. I think he can make the roster. I think we signed him back in January as like one of those reserve contracts. And Carl Lawson, you know, it's been a long time coming for him. It's not even just the on-field persona. It's the off-field persona. When you hear him talk, he sounds like a leader, a true worker, somebody who loves the game of football. And I just can't wait for him to get back on the field. He's speedy, off the edge, a lot of power to him as well. to combine that. Obviously, the Jets like their speed off the edge and the power inside. And he's just dangerous, too. He's another dangerous, you know, pro- dangerous defensive lineman, edge rusher off the edge. So it's going to be his first game action in about two years. And I'm very excited to see what he looks like. All right, um, two more segments. Three matchups you're enticed to look out for or you're really enticed to see. 
Um, I'm going to go with Quincy Roche versus Grant Hermans. He beat him in practice. And uh, I know Luca's a big fan of Grant Hermans. But Quincy Roche needs to prove his worth. And if he's off that left side, I'm looking for a couple of pressures, quarterback hits maybe, if they send the house. Um, I'm also looking for David Sills versus Bryce Hall. I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to play. I think David Sills will play either way. And, you know, if Tyra Taylor or even, you know, anybody else, whatever, uh, hooks up with David Sills against Bryce Hall. I mean, you've mentioned Bryce Hall has been struggling, uh, struggled mightily against the Falcons. So I'm looking for really any wide receiver to go up against him and possibly do some damage. And then a little bit of a weird one, and then uh, one with an asterisk on it. Roy Mbeteka versus Bryce Huff, Michael Clemens, or Jacob Martin. Uh, he's going to get some extended playing time. Uh, the guy from Nigeria, he's going to get some extended playing time. Obviously, he's very, very, very raw coming over from a foreign country, not playing football before. So I want to see him you know, against tougher edges than what he's been presented with four and then if the starters do play i'm looking for aaron robinson and adoree jackson versus elijah moore uh to at least get better and be better than they were in the practice uh on thursday luca your matchups that you're looking for i was gonna say i know Corey davis beat uh adoree jackson for a touchdown in the back of the end zone so i was just gonna bring up that uh in terms of the matchups i'm looking for first i said it saw scorner for the giants receivers I'm hoping they play their starters so we can actually see Sauce against the ones. You know, it's very interesting to see. I don't think he played against – I don't think he's really played against a true number one receiver like yet because the Eagles didn't play A.J. Brown, nor did they nor did they play Devontae Smith. The Falcons obviously don't have Drake London right now. He's injured. Zacchaeus is not a number one receiver. So I'm very interested to see – I'm look at that corner of the field. Uh, another one, Andrew Thomas versus Carl Lawson. Very intriguing matchup as well. I like to see Lawson get the best of Thomas. Um, another one, Jets QBs versus Wink's exotic defensive looks. You mentioned it. He'll throw anything and everything at you at any probably given time. And it's a good way for the uh, Jets quarterbacks to prep for the season, especially Flacco, knowing that he'll probably start week one against the Ravens. Now, I don't know if Mike McDonald has the same – defense or does has the same characteristics play calling wise as wink martindale once had as a former ravens dc but i'm very interested to see what the giants throw at him i want to see how the the offensive line responds i want to know how the pass protection for the running backs respond i want to know how joe flacco responds will he get the ball out quickly how will mike lafleur mike lafleur scheme it up yeah and questions coming into the game we could actually ride off that Will the Jets be able to handle the Giants' blitzes if the starters do not play? And there's two things that go into that question is not much cohesion. Uh, you've mentioned that the starting offensive line for you guys really has not played a ton oh. together, A. And B, uh, I've noticed that the Giants are blitzing more with their twos and threes than their ones because they don't want to give too much away. And even if they're just random vanilla blitz looks, I mean, how is a new Jets offensive line going to take them? Your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is going to be the first time, you know, first game that the Jets have actually played with their starting offensive line. Unfortunately, Mekhi Becton went down with that injury earlier in training camp, so that sucked. We signed Dwayne Brown. You have Brown on the left side. Then you have Lakin Tomlinson, pro bowler last year. 
um, Connor McGovern. Then you have Elijah Vera Tucker and then George Fant on the right side. I think this is a very good offensive line. I, I do think they will struggle against overall the Giants defense, no matter what they throw at them, because it's their first time meshing. You know, they did practice against the Giants during the, you know, training camp practice, joint practice. So, again, it's going to be different because it's live game action. So it's not just a practice. You know, they're going to get more physical. They're going to get more physical. And I want to see how this team responds. I want to see if there's going to be a leader among that offensive line. I know Tomlinson's a leader. I know Brown's a leader. And I also know Fant's a leader. So I'm very interested to see who leads, you know, the offensive line. Right. And kind of piggybacking off of that, um, can the Giants' backup offensive line hold up against Jets' ones and twos? Uh once again, the Giants really haven't been faced with too much adversity in terms of facing tough defensive lines. Uh, the Jets have a good defensive line, at least on paper. Quinn Williams, John Franklin Myers, uh, some of the other guys you mentioned, Michael Clemens, uh, you know, Jacob Martin, guys, Jacob Bryce Martin, Huff. Bryce Huff. You know, you throw a couple of guys in there, and there are a couple of good names. And then you look at the Giants' offensive line. You know, Roy Mbeteka, he's going to be playing for the first time against, you know, upgraded talent. Uh, Will Holden, will he be playing center again? Probably not. Jamil Douglas. So a lot of these guys have to make their bones this week in terms of making the roster against some pretty tough pieces. So honestly, I think the Jets could feast. If they don't feast, I'm, I'd be a little surprised in that. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'd be surprised as well. I think, you know, they might be a little rusty, but I do set, definitely see a few sacks in there, a few pressures, because this, again, just like the offensive line, this is going to be the first time the defense, the defensive line, the linebackers, the secondary have all played together as the single one team because, you know, they didn't do it. They played some starters in week one of the preseason. They played basically almost no starters in week two. So we will actually get a get kind of review on this. We will actually see the starters for the first time. Hopefully there's not a lot of wide open holes in the secondary. And again, the emphasis of this defense is to get home to the quarterback, pressure, sacks on the quarterback with the front four on the defensive line. I'm looking for Lawson, Quinn Williams, JFM, throw some Jermaine Johnson if he's healthy, Jacob Martin as well. So I'm very interested to see how the Jets defensive line performance, you know, holds up because that defensive line is going to close a lot of holes in that secondary. Absolutely correct there. Will the Giants' corners be able to handle Elijah Moore, whether they're backups or starters? Um, I'm looking for him to have a solid game. I'm looking for him to possibly be the leading receiver. Uh, I know when we were at the Jets-Dolphins game last year, Joe Flacco threw a touchdown to Elijah Moore on a slant. Um, so, you know, your thoughts on Elijah possibly feasting in on our secondary? Yeah, he's very twitchy. Pristine route runner has awesome speed. You know, he's burned some decent corners in the past. Byron Jones is one of them. So I think he's going to do the same to the guys like Adoree Jackson. Aaron Robinson obviously lacks foot speed and more has foot speed. He basically has what Robinson doesn't. So I'm looking for Rob. I'm not looking for it, but I think Robinson will struggle against Elijah Moore if they face up. So, you know, Moore is also very twitchy as well. He'll be in one spot he, in one second. The next second, he'll be another spot. He's difficult. It's a difficult matchup for the Giants to really, you know, take on. They don't have, in my opinion, from what I know, they don't have a cornerback with the, the amount of foot speed that Elijah Moore has. Absolutely correct on that note. 
Uh, we could wrap up with two more things. Uh, I know one of your questions was who cements themselves as the starting running back when it comes to the Jets. I think it's going to be Michael Carter to get like the first snap, but eventually Carter will be through throughout the first couple of games of the season will be Carter. I think Brees Hall will be morphed in a lot more. Not that he's not going to be totally out of the offense, but he will be he will be the like the number one guy come mid to late end of the season because obviously there's a process for Brees Hall since he is a rookie. Right, and then one question for myself. Will the Giants special teams unit continue be continue to be porous? Or will some guys show off so they can so they can make the final fifty-three? Uh as you've seen, our return unit is trash, our coverage units are trash. I don't know what the problem is. Maybe it's a personnel or a coaching issue. Um, but I know from the past couple of years, a way to cement yourself if you want to get on the roster as a backup is you got to play well on special teams. And I know the Jets have had a, a couple of good units over the last few years. The Giants in the last two years, not really. Um, but I don't want Braxton Berrios tearing up our special teams unit. I know last time we were at a Giants-Jets game, Hunter Sharp uh, returned one for a touchdown on a punt. I think it was a 55-yard punt. But, um, you know, some final thoughts heading into this game. I was very interested to see how the Jets cohede on both sides of the ball. You know, defensively, defensively, they've not played all their starters. It's been very spit spot. Obviously, you have the defensive line I'm very excited for. Offensive line is going to be interesting to watch because it's the first time all five guys are playing together in game action. So I'm very interested to see that. I'm also very interested to see how Joe Flacco responds with these blitzes. Right. Uh, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Monday, we got two things coming out. We got the vlog that we'll be filming from the Giants-Jets game. We also got the Boys and the Apple podcast discussing a lot of things at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Wednesday, we're back for Twin Bill, me and Luca on NYY News TV. And a lot more content coming out from there. Uh, also, Tuesday's cut day. So, I'll keep you guys updated in the community notes and also on social media in terms of the way we're going to do a podcast because I don't want to do a podcast and then cuts come out. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Luca, thank you for coming on. Obviously, you guys can follow Boys Big Apple Pod and also uh, Luca Jeter 2003 on Twitter. So peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool. And thanks for listening. (laughs) 